0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Lift
1: off. Hey, everybody. I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkinSports.com, and this is the WorkinSports podcast. Back in the early 2000s, which seems like yesterday, but in our fast-moving world, was actually like a hundred years ago. I was the executive producer for a TV show featuring NFL MVP, Sean Alexander. Sean is an incredible dude, and I loved working with him, but that's not why I brought this up. I brought it up just to show how much things have changed in the last 15 years. Back then, athletes had very few channels to share their personal stories, their point of view, their personality or perspective. Just a few of the top stars would have their own TV show, like Sean. Others may have weekly segments on sports radio or maybe work with a local sports reporter for a newspaper feature. Most everything from a personal branding perspective worked through the media. And then it all changed. Now, social media played a huge role in this change. Players could now voice their own stories, share their own vision, create their own videos, and have a channel to distribute them. But even more than social media emerging as a tool, there was also a shift in attitude. Players started to understand their leverage more of the demand they create. Now, many in the media call this time the player entitlement era, where the athletes now call the shots. The athletes make the demands, and they have shifted the leverage of every negotiation. I kind of find that term insulting. Player entitlement. The word entitlement gives it a negative connotation, like how dare they express themselves or want for themselves or demand for themselves? How dare they build their own brand and control the message? Entitlement to me has a connotation of being something that isn't deserved, like a child acting like they should get the toy because they want it. It's their prerogative. In the instance of elite athletes, they are the product. They are the brand. They have every right in the world to express themselves, brand themselves, leverage themselves for their betterment. And they are doing exactly that. Sites like the Players' Tribune give all players a voice to share the world through their eyes. More and more athletes are creating videos, negotiating deals, creating documentaries, and building a huge personal brand. Even college athletes will soon begin to profit off of their names images, and likeness. This is awesome. But the players don't go it all alone. They often look for trusted advisors, creative visionaries who can enhance their portfolio and build their reach beyond what they imagined was possible. One such visionary is today's guest, Rashida Gale, founder of 26 Marketing Agency, a boutique, Full-service marketing agency servicing best-in-class talent in sports and entertainment. They maximize brand opportunities through smart marketing initiatives. Rashida works with stars like MLS MVP Joseph Martinez, NFL running back Devonta Freeman, Nikhil Harry of the New England Patriots, Justice Hill and Miles Boykin of the Baltimore Ravens, and many others. Quick caveat. Uh, When we first recorded this interview back when I recorded it originally, Rashida was the director of talent marketing at GSE Worldwide. She's only recently started up her own agency, 26 Marketing Agency, which you can find at 26ma.com. And it is really exciting to watch her grow and develop this new brand and agency. But if you hear her during this interview referencing GSE or me referencing any questions involving GSE, that's why. When we first conducted the interview, she was still working there. So, Time to find out how she got where she is today, where she sees the world of marketing heading, and really take it from the athlete perspective. So here is Rashida Gale. Hi, Rashida. How are you doing today?
0: Hey, Brian. I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I am great, and I'm really excited to talk about you. As you and I were kind of speaking off air before we got started, uh, I was doing a ton of research into your background over the last couple of days to prepare for this, and I'm just so impressed with all that you've accomplished to date.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's a pleasure. I really, you know, think it's important to share my story just in sports and what it has done for me and how it has worked for me. I'm happy to share that information with Young and Upcoming um, Sports Workers, I guess. Yeah, I mean, people <laughs> want to get in the ourselves? industry. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, I, I read an article recently where you were asked about your story breaking into the sports industry and if it's been a smooth road for you. And I loved your response. You said, absolutely not. Um, so, let's dig into that a little bit because it is a, extremely hard. There are a ton of people that love sports, there, there are tons of people that want to work with athletes. So, take us back a little bit to your beginning. How did you get your first break into the sports industry?
0: So that's a really good question. You know, I would say if it was so easy, everyone would be doing it. Um, And so you guys have a website that's solely dedicated to people who want to work in sports. As you can imagine, it's extremely difficult to break in. Uh, For me personally, I think the biggest thing that helped me initially breaking into the industry is experience. I worked at Florida State Sports Marketing in our athletics department for three years while I was pursuing my bachelor's degree. So that experience really allowed me to be hands-on with the corporate side um, of sports marketing, you know, just all the different accounts that we held at the school, uh, the different activations that we did on game day, whether that was football or volleyball, et cetera. So that really allowed me to see what marketing was. And sometimes, I would say a lot of times, you don't exactly know what you want to do until you get that experience. So at first you're like, I want to be a sports agent because that seems like the thing to do. Um, But as you intern and you kind of get your hands dirty, you kind of figure out what works for you, what works with your personality, your skill set, et cetera. Um, So I did sports marketing for three years and figured I wanted to continue to work in sports marketing, but I wanted to work directly with athletes. Um, So I graduated. I moved to Atlanta. I started working as a business manager for about three guys. And I saw that there was an opportunity to take advantage of the marketing side and provide opportunities to the clients that they were not receiving from their respective agency. Um, So just started bringing some off the field opportunities to my guys and it took off from there.
1: That's really cool. It's kind of like you almost crafted your own path, but let's go back to that Florida State part a little bit. I find that interesting. So being at a big school, these athletic departments run very much like a big business, right? The football team is a huge organization and et cetera. Did that, I know you only went to a big school, so you don't have the big school, little school experience, but that ability to work on that business side, did that really, I mean, that sounds like it made a huge difference for you.
0: It really did. And we have a huge sports marketing department. They do really well. But when I came into college, I majored in biology and I would completed like most of my biology credits before I realized I wasted my parents' money. And I was like, I don't want to be a major in bi- my, my major to be biology. Um, and so I wanted to do sports marketing, but then I found out that it was like after you have one hundred and forty four credit hours or something like that, you have to pay out of state fees. And if I'd picked up sports marketing as a major, that would have been the case. Um, so I thought it would be best to get experience and be hands-on. In this time, um, that's when I got the job at uh, the sports department in the sports marketing office, and really just took advantage of it. I said to myself, Everyone wants to work in this athletic department. It doesn't matter where they work, from the mailroom to the football offices on the third floor. So I really should take advantage of this opportunity and figure out if this is something I want to do long term. Being that I was at a big school, we won the national championship the year I graduated. So that was huge because you just get to know all these high profile athletes. You get to know what they like, what they do, what they don't like, where they hang out, etc. Just using that information, I realized I wanted to work directly with athletes, but I just didn't know exactly how. And so once I graduated and just got a few years, uh, like a year after being a manager, I realized that I could do the marketing thing independently.
1: You know what's funny? I also started my college career as a biology major and shortly thereafter (laughs) realized I was wasting my parents' money. So we were very much alike in that.
0: Yes. Yes. It was a waste. I owe them big time for sure. Oh my for gosh. Being so
1: yeah. I had a moment where I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I saw one piece, the background piece on you that said Gail credits her upbringing for enabling her to see the bigger picture in life. I like that quote a lot, but can you expand upon it? Can you explain a little bit more about your upbringing and how it got you to where you are now and how it kind of framed your point of view?
0: Yeah, so, you know, that quote really just kind of meant, like, I think more than values take you a very long way in life. And just to keep it real, you know, I'm a woman working with high-profile athletes. And so it can get very blurry and detrimental. Um, I think it's easy to compromise yourself and play yourself, and you'll end up jeopardizing your future. So I think it's really important to know who you are and know why you're in the industry. For me, I have two reasons why I continue to work in sports, I think, you know, number one is my love to create and build brands for athletes. But number two would be the desire to assist athletes with building financial independence. Those really are my main objectives. Um, I just want to make sure that I stay true to who I am and my desire to work in sports. And that really just goes back to my morals and my values and my upbringing and knowing what I want in life, knowing my role, knowing who I am, et cetera. Um, You know, my role may change while I'm in this industry, but I think my main goals will stay the same. It's really to help build brands and help athletes find financial independence.
1: I think it's so important to have that perspective and point of view. I've interviewed a lot of women in the sports industry for this show, and we always get into the conversation of... How have things changed as you've been in the industry? Have things improved? Are things getting better for you? Do you still find sexism in the workplace? So you've been in the industry for eight years now, and I'm sure that you've had moments where you've been like, oh my gosh, what the heck is going on here? Like, how is this so hard?
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: so in your eight years, do you see us making progress? Do you see there being a change in the attitude towards women in the industry? Or is there still a huge way to go?
0: I still think there's a very long way to go, but... You know, I work in a male dominated sport, you know, women are just now beginning to get the opportunity to be coaches. So with so many men running the industry, I think it's unavoidable. Um, I've chosen to be a part of this type of work and I've had the opportunity to work with players, male players. I've worked primarily with male male players, and I think that's great. But it is what it is. I am in a very heavily male-dominated industry, Um, but I think we are getting better. You know, I don't think that being a woman prevented me from getting the opportunities that I've had, and so I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, with my competition, I do think males feel more comfortable with men. Uh, athletes may feel more comfortable with male uh, agents or male financial advisors. I think the marketing has definitely opened up more to women and those guys trust us in this position, but it's definitely harder for a contract agent, um, or like a female financial advisor. I don't think I've ever met a woman financial advisor since I've been in this industry. Wow.
1: You know, I think it's so important to have these conversations and to be open about it because I'm a, I'm a male. So I've been in the sports industry the whole time and a male-dominated audience. So I don't have to go through these challenges that you and others may have to. I remember interviewing Nicole Lynn, who's a sports agent, and she talked about going to the NFL Combine and everybody there assumed she was somebody's girlfriend. And that's just got to be such a hard thing to overcome on a daily basis. How do you get past that and focus on the job itself? Or is that a constant thing you have to learn your way through?
0: Well, first of all, it is so annoying when yeah. someone thinks you are either a girlfriend or an assistant. Right. I hate it. It's so insulting. And it's, I, it's so insulting. And worse for me, I look like I'm 15 sometimes. I can definitely come off super young. And so they definitely don't take me seriously sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a part of the job that we're in. And as frustrating as it is it's even more important for us to prove them wrong. Um, and so I think that's really what pushes me, you know, I have to understand what my image is or what that needs to look like and how, how I need to approach things to gain certain respect from people. And it's okay if they decide that that's not what they want to do. They don't want to respect me. I just don't work with those people. Um, but I agree with Nicole wholeheartedly. It's, it's extremely frustrating, but I think it's, it's on us, um because we have the opportunity. It's on us to do right by it and provide um, a, you know a future path for women who want to work in this industry, make sure that we do the right thing. we have high standards, high morals. We keep our head high um, and we do a good job at what we're responsible for so that women coming in this industry don't have to experience the same thing.
1: I think that's such an inspiring thing to remember and it's important to know too that every time that you do your job well, You're just proving to people that you're more than anything, just a great, like a person at your job, you know, like you're proving yourself day in and day out. And that's hard to have to prove yourself every day, but you come through makes a big difference. So let's talk. Right. I mean, you deliver the goods and you're going to stand out for the right reasons. So your your background and experience isn't just in marketing. You know, you handle public relations, community relations, event production, negotiation. You mentioned finance. I want to get into that a lot more in a little bit, but right now, How important is that versatility in the sports industry, the ability to do a lot of different things, especially when you're working with clients? And how did you kind of learn all these different skills and how you could apply them to your your current work?
0: So that's a really good question. Actually, I've never gotten that question. I like to think of myself as a subject matter expert um when it comes to sports marketing and just building brands for athletes. So I can talk about that all day. But <laughs> marketing covers a variety of topics. And so even though I focus on one part of the industry, you pull and you draw from many other parts of marketing like PR, communicate um, community relations, event production like you mentioned. Uh so you know, why would you let go of those learned experiences? You know, as you as you develop and as you develop yourself in this industry and as you learn things, you realize that all of this has a play in marketing. And so it's when you apply that to the work that you do, because you'll understand what someone's job is and how things are supposed to work on their side. It makes your job easier. It makes their job easier. So if I know what a PR person is supposed to be doing or I know what a financial person is supposed to be doing or how things are supposed to be negotiated, et cetera, I'm prepared and I'm bringing everything that I need to bring to the table to make that other person's job easier. Uh, So I think it's that versatility just just makes your life easier, honestly. You can pull and draw from all your different experiences and bring that to the table for the ultimate goal.
1: So much of what you do is based on the relationships you form with the athletes on a professional level. Like you have they have to trust you and you have to work in their best interest. And there's so much that goes on there that is that is, you know, business and professional, but also just trust those kind of soft skills when you approach people and recruit them. How do you start to build that trust? How do you get to that point where they're like, all right, I'm going to entrust Rashida with my personal brand, and I know she's going to do the best thing for me. How do you get yourself to that point with a new athlete or somebody that you're trying to recruit?
0: Well, I'm dropping all of these bombs. I can't have everyone taking my ideas, <laughs> but I'm happy right, we'll, to share a we'll little bit of it. <laughs> um, So everyone has a different approach uh, when it comes to recruiting. Recruiting is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. It is still the hardest thing I've ever done because there's so many intangibles at play that you just don't have control over. And a lot of it has nothing to do with you. Um, But for me personally, it's all about how I can relate to an athlete you know, nothing was handed to me. I had to work to get every opportunity that I received. I had to exceed those expectations in order to grow and be respected and trusted. And I think it's very similar for an athlete, right? Like, especially if you're the underdog, the hard work and dedication um, self-growth an athlete has to put in to be great is what makes them who they are. And so many athletes who do this still don't get enough recognition. So, you know, I like to compare that to being in corporate America. You know, why shouldn't we work as hard? Why shouldn't we grind it out? Why shouldn't we wake up early? You know, why shouldn't we be pushing our mind every day? If we want to be great, I think that's what it comes with. And so all the current clients that I represent, um, I think we all have the same thing in mind, which is to be great at what we do. Not everyone's going to match my passion, and I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that. but. I want to work with athletes who want to work with me, who match that passion, who want to be great. But at the same time, I'm bringing everything to the table. So sometimes an athlete, you know, it takes, time for them to kind of figure out their path and where they want to go off the field. And so you don't always sign a player immediately once they go into the draft or once they begin their professional career. Um, But eventually you hope that you align with what the athlete wants to do and your ideas match and just your passion for marketing and the work, et cetera. I think that's kind of how I built trust in the industry and, you know, athletes coming in can see the work that I do with the current athletes that I have and just take my word.
1: I would be awful at the recruiting process because I hate when, <laughs> like, like being told no is like the worst feeling in the world to me. Cause I always take it personally. Like even booking guests for this show, if somebody's like, no, nah, I don't really have time for that. Or they don't respond to me. I'm like, but wait, you don't like me. You know, like I would take it so personally. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know how you, I don't know how you keep a, uh, a, a mentally positive, uh, focus when, when you are so often in this world, whether it's in, marketing or being an agent or in sales or whatever it may be so often you're being told no it's so hard
0: yeah that's a great point and i think that's the first thing you have to let go of when you start recruiting is that you're going to get more nos than yeses and that one yes can change so much for you can you know really help elevate you as a worker in the industry and you can help elevate that brand as well um but no is so common. You're getting more no's than yes. And, you know, that's one thing I would tell to anyone coming up and coming into this industry, you're going to hear more no's than you are going to hear yeses. You're going to apply for a 100 internships and you might get five responses that say, we're interested, we're not interested. This is just the industry we work in because it's so competitive. Um, And it's the same thing on the recruiting trail. It's extremely competitive. It's just like an athlete getting 50 different offers to a college and he can only select one. So he's going to break 49 hearts, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's just a part of it. Um, once you accept it, then you kind of, you know, just picking through your battles and where you want to spend your time Um, And you just hope for the best, but you're definitely getting more no's than you are, yes.
1: I'm so impressed with those people that handle it well because I'm 44 years old and I'm still terrible at handling rejection. (laughs) Everybody out there needs to listen to Rashida and not me because you're right. You have to have a tough skin in this industry. You have to be able to take a no and, and keep moving forward. So. I don't want you to yeah. give away any secrets, but I do want to understand a, like a window into your world a little bit. So when you sign on a new client, each case is unique. Each client is unique. What do, how do you develop a marketing strategy that's, I mean, you, you represent Atlanta Falcons running back at Devonta Freeman, and you also have MLS MVP Joseph Martinez. Those are two very different people. They have different audiences. They have everything different about them. How do you kind of go about creating something that is unique and works for them without giving away any state secrets, but just give us a little bit of a window into your world.
0: Well, I was going to say GFC will be calling me if I tell them to give away our strategy for marketing our athletes. Nope, (laughs) Um, I hear you. But what I can share is, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, um, you know, working in a talent marketing industry is just getting to know your client as much as possible. You want to find out like what they like, what makes them tick, what makes them smile, what makes them mad. You want to know and understand their sport, you know, know what their goals and aspirations are. I think the more you know about your athlete, the better you are uh, able to build a brand and just something that's true and authentic to who they are. I think that's where it starts. Every athlete has a different answer when you ask them what you like, what you don't like, et cetera. And so you build from that and try to create partnerships that are authentic to who the athlete is.
1: That makes perfect sense. I think it's pretty cool, too, that you have a few NFL rookies on your roster, and you're really establishing them from the start. Like You're trying to build them up from being maybe a regional name to being a bigger name. You have Justice Hill of the Ravens, Debo Samuel of the 49ers. One of my favorite moments, like I'm an NFL draft junkie, I watch all the stuff, and one of my favorite moments in the draft process was watching Debo after he met with the Patriots, and he said something on camera like, I'll see you soon, Billy, and he was talking about Billy (laughs) Bellichick. Now I did. I said Billy Billy. He's talking about Bill Belichick, who's like one of the most stoic characters you could ever meet. And he's like, I'll see you soon, Billy. And I laughed like really hard. And it's clear he has a ton of personality, not specific to Debo or any of your other clients. But does that natural personality kind of work to your advantage when you go to pitch clients and get them out there and build their brand? Because like Debo, for example, went to South Carolina. So we might be really big in that area. But if you're trying to build a bigger brand, how helpful is it when they have their own kind of natural personality?
0: Well, I remember that video, and that was hilarious. I <laughs> laughed just as hard as you did. I was like, "OMG!" Yeah, right. Um, but I know. <laughs> I think having a personality in marketing really—that's what I look for. Um, Debo—he's a great athlete, but he's an even better person. And I always want to work with good people, like people who, you know, similar to me, have strong morals and values, and just it's, it's true to that. Um, He's a big family man. He's extremely close to his parents, his siblings, uh, but he also likes to have fun. He's super swaggy. He's so funny, as you can tell. And he's a baller. Did you see the game yesterday uh, against the Denver Broncos? He had a 45-yard run. Yeah, he
1: was awesome. I'm going to be honest here. I'm actually a Patriots fan. That's part of why I saw that. And I was (laughs) was praying that they drafted him because I just think he would have been fantastic. So I'm jealous of the
0: 49ers. Well, I mean, the Patriots did get a good wide receiver in Nikhil Harry, too. That's true. I think he's going to do amazing things for that organization. And if he needs a marketing Um,
1: brand, he should call you.
0: Yeah, he should definitely call me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so, you know, he's a great athlete and he has a personality, so that makes him super marketable. Um, But just kind of going back to your question, I think there should be something unique about the athlete, and sometimes you have to pull that out of them. I uh, like Justice, for example. He's pretty quiet, but he lets his work do all the talking and that's with like everything. So whether that's on the field or off the field. Um, he has two, he was raised by two amazing parents, his mom and his dad, Tia and Derek. Um, he has a younger brother, Dax, who just got uh, a football scholarship to Michigan. And Tia and Derek have really, you know, set a high standard for their sons and, they they've almost both Dax and Justice have both take the torch up to carry that on and so you know that Justice is respectful he's humble he's hardworking, and you can use that to your advantage when you're pitching him to a company for a potential partnership so you just want to kind of pull what what's I keep going back to what's true to your client don't Don't pick something that is not your client because then you're selling something that's not real, that's fake, that's not authentic. And the biggest thing in social media today with such a saturated social media market is authenticity. You just have to be true to who you are, and that's what I want to sell. I don't really want to sell or build partnerships with companies for an athlete, you know, and it's not authentic because then you get exposed.
1: I love using that term authenticity. I do think it's so important in just about anything we do, whether it's communicating with other people or whether it's marketing or whatever it may be, it's like you want it to come truly from you, which I love the fact that you've made that an emphasis in your work. So you mentioned the financial side of things earlier. And and I'm telling you, over my years in the industry, I cannot even count how many stories I've read, written myself, or produced content on regarding athletes who have lost all of their career earnings for bad uh, financial decisions. Millions and millions of dollars we're talking about here. How much of a role do you play in advising your clients to thrive for the long haul financially and what kind of advice do you teach them? Again, I'm not, I don't want you to give away any company secrets or like that, but just, you know, kind of guiding principles and how you help them get through that part of the, the, the industry and a part of their, their, their world.
0: So I don't know how these guys get all these millions of dollars and just end up with none. (laughs) It's crazy, but (laughs) Actually, no, I think, you know, I have some insight on that. Um, If I could be honest, you know, an athlete doesn't usually check his accounts every day. Um, I don't have a client that checks their account every day. And so he just doesn't know where his money is going. And if you think about it, like how many of us like swipe our cards consistently? And then when we look at our bank statement, we're like, what the hell is this charge? Like, I didn't spend this. I didn't buy this. And then you find out you did. You're like, oh, my bad. <laughs> so <laughs> I think this happens to athletes as well, um, except they're spending way more money than we are. And so they don't realize how fast that money is going. I think in addition to that, like having people in your circle, you trust to tell you the truth is so important. Having an accountant or your financial advisor telling you, hey, look, you went overboard this month and it's okay that you did it this month, but you can't do that next month. Having those upfront conversations are so important. And you know, there are some guys who don't want to listen. There are some guys who want to listen, but you can only do your part. Um, you know, you, you going back to having the right people in your circle. If someone is pushing you to invest as a rookie or a second year, like that's probably not a good idea. You probably don't know what investing is unless you were a finance major. Like Justice, he's a finance major, oh, so that he helps. probably knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't know how you should invest, what you should invest, etc. And you shouldn't give anyone the keys to the car without understanding the car in some way, form, aspect, etc. So I think it's important for an athlete and his team to continuously educate themselves on all areas of an athlete's life, not just finance, but everything else, so that you can bring that knowledge to the table. And one of the unique things about you know my role in an athlete's life is providing off-field opportunities so I'm not dependent on the contract money for them to get paid I have to go out I have to sell the athlete I have to create these partnerships and get them paid and you know luckily I've been able to successfully do that but that adds an extra cushion of money coming in for the athlete where they know they don't have to rely on their contract money.
1: I have read that more recently where there are some athletes that are going under the philosophy, and I think you've espoused this before in other articles, but I've read other athletes that do it as well where they, they bank their playing check and they live off of their marketing endorsements and other things they may do, yeah. which sounds like a pretty smart philosophy.
0: I think so. I think it allows you to budget wisely. You're not, if you get a five year, $10 million contract, you're not budgeting 10 million. You're probably budgeting a million a year that you get off the field. And I think, you know, after taxes, people don't realize that uncle Sam is coming and he is taking half. Mm -hmm. There's no if, and, but it's gone. Or if you don't pay it, he's coming for you. Uh, So I think it allows them to just have a, a better idea of, what it looks like after football if you budget your marketing money and you don't rely on that contract money if you can save that contract money and it's as simple as putting it in a money market account which a lot of people don't know what this is on the call it's basically a savings account that the bank gives you interest on and they basically pay you to have that money in the account you have a money market account and you don't touch those dollars that can really hold you off for the rest of your life yeah um but once you if you're not getting marketing money, if you're not getting money anywhere else, then you're dependent on that contract money. And so that money's going to dwindle away and you won't have the leverage you may have once had if you kept all that money in that account and you didn't spend it.
1: So transitioning here a little bit into the content and marketing side, I, it feels like over the last 10 years, more than ever, athletes are starting to control their own brand, right? So... When I was in the media more pro- predominantly, athletes used to work through guys like me. You know, like I used to have a show with NFL MVP Sean Alexander, and that show was how he kind of built his brand. And then he leveraged that into other marketing opportunities. But now everything's different. Players are owning their own distribution channels. They're making their influencer marketing through their personal uh, social media accounts. They're sharing their personality. They're no longer just this hidden figure behind the scenes. And then you also add in players like Richard Sherman and Russell Okung are representing themselves in their actual contract negotiations. Has this era of players becoming more independent flipped your world upside down? Or has it made it just a little bit more challenging? Or what has it done for you?
0: I think it's been great for me, honestly. Um, athletes are realizing that they're brand, the, that building their brand is extremely important, and so they're putting focus into that, and that's only helping marketing agents like myself who solely focus on the marketing aspect of the athlete's career. Um, they kind of want going back to saying a subject matter expert, someone who is specific in this. Industry or this specific topic. Um, and they don't really want a contract agent who does a little bit of marketing because then their sole focus isn't marketing. Um, You also see a trend now where guys are hiring more independent marketing agencies like GSE Worldwide or our competition because they don't want to be one of 50 on the roster or one of 100 on the roster um, of athletes being pitched to an NFL sponsor. And they kind of want to partnership and align with who they are and who their brand is. Um, so I think, you know, there are so many channels now to market yourself. There's no excuse at all. You could have an Instagram. You could have a YouTube, etc. cetera. You don't have to be loud. You could be a nerd. You could be humble. Whatever works for you, there's a key audience that will find you. So I think the biggest thing about marketing really is having fans that have access to your content you're having access to your content and having that access consistently. Um And what I mean by that is like, you don't just click on ESPN today and you see sports center at 10 o'clock and you see nothing else for the rest of the day. Uh ESPN is ESPN because its content is always rolling, it's always consistent, and it's always high quality. And I like to tell my athletes that don't go dead on your social media or any platform where you're sharing your life and who you are with fans. You always want to be consistent so that you can continue to build that brand, that loyalty with those, that audience that is watching you or focusing on you, et cetera.
1: See, I love this change. So I came up in the industry when ESPN and when I worked at CNN Sports Illustrated and a couple other regional sports networks or national networks, that was all we had. That was the only window we had into the players and what they were like. And that's why I wanted to work in that side of the industry. That's why I wanted to be able to know more about the athletes and see more about how they behave and what it's like behind the scenes and in the front offices or whatever it may be. But now where the athletes have taken control of their own brand, they're sharing their own voice. They're so visible out on social media. I think it's so incredible and so good for the sports world at large because you're more apt to be involved as a fan if you know what the person's like, if you if you understand them and you kind of understand their rhythms and what they what how they what they're really like and what their real personality is. I think it's such a a great thing for everyone. I think everybody wins.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and just kind of going back to that point of getting to know an athlete, you know, I work with a lot of NFL players and you're behind the helmet. So people really don't even know what you look like. I've been so with true. a lot of my guys out and about. And mind you, some people do know who they are because of fantasy football. But most people would know who they are if they didn't wear a an helmet. And so, you know, that's one thing I think is important. Show who you are. Take that helmet off. Talk about who you are. Show what you like, etc. So people can relate your face to whatever athletes they see on the field on Sundays.
1: This is so true. This is a funny quick story. When I did that show with Sean Alexander, one of the segments we did every week on the show was we take him out somewhere in the region and see if people realized who he was. So we'd have him like be a used car salesman. We had him as a, a, a waiter at IHOP one week. We had him spraying perfume on people in the, in the local mall. And it was just to see if people would realize it was him. And he was, a great, yeah. he was a great sport and he had so much fun with it. He was awesome. But people didn't recognize him because he's always wearing a helmet mm-hmm. and he's not out there enough. Yeah. And now I don't think that happens. I think players are much more recognizable as part of their brand, which is a really good thing.
0: I agree.
1: 100%. So let's talk about what it's like for you when you have a deal come to reality. You uh, with Devonta Freeman, let's use that example. He's out there with Courtyard by Marriott and you see this deal that you've worked on and it's come to fruition and it's out there. What's that like for you? Do you get to sit back and kind of enjoy that moment of success or is it right on to the next thing? What's your approach?
0: Well, I get that question a lot. um and honestly, it really isn't a big deal once the deal is complete uh, because you've just been working on it for so long and your hands are in it. So by the time the deal is completed, it's like when you complete a school project <laughs> and you're on to the next project right. um of course, you're proud uh, because you know you see it come to life and it's my job to do this, but you know, I've done so many of them that it's a re- it's almost for myself a requirement for me to get my guys on TV. Like, I definitely want to get them in partnerships where they are using um, the TV. Like, the TV is a part of that contract or that partnership and, you know, creating commercials for them, not just social media deals or appearances, et cetera. Um, that's always my goal for any of the clients that I represent. So I think it might be a bigger deal for the athlete because they're like, okay, that's me on TV with a commercial right. and this brand, et cetera. Um, but for me, it's, it's, I've done enough of them to be like, okay, this is, you know, more normal than people may think. And it's just me getting something completed and, you know, reaching my goal.
1: So I noticed that you also represent Dr. Talia Waller and since I'm a sports nerd, I definitely knew all of your sports client, but I wasn't as familiar with her. So, you know, I did what everybody else does and I went to YouTube to get a little bit more research on who she was. And it was really fascinating. I was pretty blown away. She's, she's a personal brand expert and she shares some incredible advice online. How important is it for you to have mentors or even just people you work with who are outside of the sports bubble? Does that challenge a different part of your brain or is it just valuable to see things from a different perspective?
0: Uh, well, I love sports just as much as you. Um, but I, as I've worked in this industry, I've learned that it's good to have a diversified portfolio. Um, so I think, you know, really one of my goals this year, um, and the reason I dip into major league soccer, um, and professional speakers is to just represent athletes or personalities outside of sports. Um, I mean, outside of the NFL. So Dr. Waller is a very well-respected professor. She understands the importance of personal branding, um, especially in today's climate, and she has drawn interest from many panels and speaking engagements worldwide. Um, and she was looking for an agent to represent her a couple months ago, and I was fortunate enough to meet her. When we first met, we met for like four hours. We had, there, there was just so many aligned interests outside of sports. <laughs> I was able to talk about something other than sports. Right. Um, but also, you know, branding is what I do. It's who I am. It's what I build for my athletes. And she feels the same way about building that, not only for herself, um, but teaching that and building that for high, le- high level uh, executives in the corporate America, like CEOs, CMOs, et cetera. Um, she's super educated and just like really gets what it means to be a personal brand. So it's been great representing her and being able to connect on that marketing brand and level. That's been awesome. But just kind of going back to your question, I want to continue to build a diversified portfolio where I'm representing multiple personalities, um, whether that's in sports or another industry.
1: Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, I know for me personally, I spend so much time in the sports world that sometimes to talk to people who do content you know, outside of my little sector, outside of sports or, or do marketing or do other things in different industries and in different parts of the business. It opens your eyes up to some different things. So I'm sure that, that you'll have that, a similar experience where just you'll, you may be gaining a little bit different perspective by working with people who are outside of the sports bubble.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So we'll finish up with this. I know you're extremely busy. It's NFL season. There were games last night. There's games coming up. Your players are probably going to be calling you today wondering what you're up to. So let's. Go, I'll let you get back to work. But we'll finish up with this. Everyone I talk to wants to work with athletes. So many people see sports as an opportunity to get in and rub elbows and hang out with and get to know their heroes. But outside of, you know, the classic, I'm a huge sports fan, which a lot of people think is a qualification, but is not. um, What advice outside, you talked earlier about the experience you got in college, a lot of the things you've done as you've come up in your career, but what other advice would you give to somebody who wants to be in your shoes someday and working with athletes?
0: So this is where I'm going to drop the down since it's the last question Um, and whoever made it through to, you know, to the last question on this podcast, thank you for listening. Everyone. and I would just <laughs> <It> <laughs> I would better be. I would write this down. These are the questions that I would ask, you know, if I was hiring someone and if I, or if I was talking to someone and advising them Ooh, I like So this. what is your specific skill set? What are you bringing to the table? I think that's the first question. What is your passion? What are you passionate about, other than just being a sports junkie or a huge fan? Also, another question, who do you know? Where can you pull from in relationships that can get to where you want to be at um, in the future? And what makes you different? I think those four questions will really help uh, anyone coming up in this industry kind of figure it all out. Write those questions out, answer those questions thoroughly, and kind of see where you're at and where what you need to do to get where you want to be. Um, that's really, like, I think that's the best advice I can give you. Once you kind of know where you're at, then you know where you're going. Um, and, if, you know, if you're not different, if you don't have any passion, if you're just a huge fan, you're going to be like everyone else in this industry who loves sports and wants to work in it but can't figure it out. And you're looking for a million of these podcasts, but you still can't figure it out because you don't know what your skill set is, and what your passion is, and what makes you different. I think you've got to figure those things out.
1: That is incredible advice and a perfect way to end things. Rashida, thank you so much for jumping on this call with me and having this interview. I've learned a lot. I know our audience will too. And I'm just so fascinated by all you're accomplishing. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it.
1: I'm so glad we brought back this interview because Rashida is one of my absolute favorites. Her and I reconnected recently. We were recording an advertisement for our Moving Forward podcast series that aired in the month of October, and her and I ended up chatting for another 10 or 15 minutes, and she is just a really, really good person. She has incredible vision for this industry, and I love to flip the equation a little bit. Like So often, I approach marketing from the team side and the, the vision of promotion and emails and banners and digital marketing and you know content marketing and all those kind of things from a team team perspective, but really to flip it around and take it from the athlete side and building their brand, I think is really, really interesting. And I hope you all did too. Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate and review wherever you listen to our podcast that helps us rank really high in the podcast. Uh, mechanisms that rank podcasts, whatever those are. And if they rank really high, then we get, it makes it much easier for me to book guests and continue to push our content forward. So thank you all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good thing. Good stuff. Thank you for being here. I'll talk to you all soon.